This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 23rd, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The interstate shipment of wine has challenged the state-based monopoly power of wine distributors. The economics of distribution seem fairly clear. In this case, the middleman probably wouldn't exist were it not for that government guarantee. Peter Van Doren, editor of Regulation Magazine and Cato Institute Senior Fellow, offers his thoughts. After Prohibition, a the main concern of policymakers was uh, to keep organized crime uh, out of the uh, liquor and wine and beer distribution business. And so um, a three-tier system developed uh, for alcohol after Prohibition ended. And they were, uh, the three tiers were the, one was the producers, be it the beer or, or alcohol or wine producers. In the middle were wholesalers, and they were companies that were vetted to be and assured uh, to be free of organized crime influence by the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover at the time. So in effect, it was a complicated entry barrier system to get rid of the previous distribution channel uh, that existed during Prohibition. And then finally, retailers that served consumers directly. As uh, normal distribution of alcohol developed culturally after Prohibition ended, the mob's role in in this uh, went down, of course, and they were prohibited, but also the rents were gone, the profits were gone, although a source of profit now was state taxation. So the, the state, in effect, tried to uh, much less so the feds, but the states, in effect, tried to capture some of the rents that were in alcohol for public purposes rather than for um, for the mob. The rents going away was sort of an inevitable result after the end of prohibition, and I guess in the short run, I could understand why there would you would want to create this separate uh, distribution channel. But in is the there, long run, the, the, what is the argument on behalf of? the existence of distributors today? Ah, uh, that they prevent kids from getting wine and beer through FedEx. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, the Granholm decision uh, essentially required that states treat out-of-state and, I should say, interstate shipment of uh, wine and other products the same as they treat intrastate shipment of wine and other products. But now some states are trying to figure ways around that? Well, actually, uh, one state, the state I live in, for example, Maryland, is consistent. Um, it doesn't allow anybody to ship anything. Um, so it, it doesn't violate the court decision. It discriminates against in-state as well as interstate shipment of beverages. And thus it is legal. Whereas most states, um, what they had was inconsistent with the decision, which is they allowed intrastate shipment, particularly wineries, because of the, everyone who made money in the dot-com uh, boom then took their money and in turn uh, you know, invested it in a local winery. And there are wineries in almost every state, if not every, probably not Alaska, but most every state has a wine industry. And they're small, and in turn, what they're finding is the distributors don't want to deal with them because distributors, there's very few distributors, this middle tier of the three-tier system. The distributors want large volume, economies of scale. They're not set up to deal with small producers who um, want to just ship in-state. And so what states have done is is allowed in-state wineries to ship uh, via UPS or, or FedEx. And that, in turn, 
led to these lawsuits and the Supreme Court ruled. If you do that, you have to allow interstate shipment as well. So in turn, the, uh, the beverage, the wholesalers are threatened by this because sophisticated wine consumers are in fact bypassing the whole system by uh, buying wine on the internet. And um, I'm one of those people, actually. They're, my office at uh, Maryland doesn't allow shipping, and uh, so D.C. Is, does. And um, I have cases of wine shipped from California and New York and elsewhere because uh, there's some retailers um, in the U.S. who are famous for having a, a, a wholesale business um, that appeals to people who like wine around the country because lots of wine is, is, particularly the small California producers, they'll produce seven or eight or 900 cases a year. And that, again, is too small for um, wholesalers to be interested. And so the only way to get it is to... Uh, get it directly from the winery or from from some stores in San Francisco and New York that specialize in those kinds of, of wineries. Some states have gone ahead with allowing producers to apply for special licenses that make them into distributors. I mean, that a way to uh, deal with the producers that were behind the intrastate shipment uh, lobby is to reclassify them um, in effect, as distributors. And of course, the distributors um, in this three-tier system I described, there are many producers, there's many retailers, but there's the bottleneck is at the distributional level. And they have some market power, and they want to retain it. And um, they want to retain it through regulation. The regulatory fix, it seems to just obliterate distributors as a necessary component of moving alcohol from one place to another. Right, and and the question is that's f- probably fine for wine. Um, beer is so cheap that shipping beer across state lines, shipping beer long distance through UPS or whatever, um, there's no economic arbitrage there, so that's not not an issue. On the hard alcohol front, again, I don't I don't people, I mean, except maybe for some rare rare whiskeys or something like that that are very difficult to find. No one seems to think that 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 the um, Distributors are impeding that network from operating. So it's on the wine front where um, there are many, many, many small producers, and um, the, um, the, dis- the the distributional network doesn't like dealing with those kinds of wineries. And in turn, um, you can either buy through them directly from their websites or from retailers that have deal with them. And that the distributors now want to make that um, illegal. Peter Van Doren is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and editor of Regulation magazine. You can subscribe to Regulation at Cato.org.